When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. All right, y'all. For the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about sex in lots of different ways with different guests from different angles. Everything in these interviews is Christ-centered because, spoiler alert, God created sex. But some of it may not necessarily be appropriate for young children, unless you're ready to field those questions. Some of the things we talk about are uncomfortable, of course, but all of my guests did such an incredible job of sharing honestly and openly and vulnerably, and I am so proud and so honored and so excited to step into this space and talk about it through a Christian lens, which I don't think gets done enough. So I'm so pumped to bring you the Let's Talk About Sex series from Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Come on, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Welcome back to part two of the Let's Talk About Sex series. Our guest today is Kirsten Kelly, and y'all get ready to fall in love with her. Kirsten's story is one that I think a lot of us are going to relate to, and she has so much wisdom to share about married sex. We go in on purity culture, and the fact that God created sex to be good and designed it for us. Hey, Kirsten, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Blake. I'm so pumped. So like anybody so that pumped. saw the title of this episode knows that we're talking about sex today. So we're just going to like, we're going to like say that out front. If you don't want to listen to it in front of your kids, I understand. Yep. We're <laughs> going your, there. Put your, put your headphones there. in because it's going to be a good one. <laughs> uh, but I do, before we talk about something so like deeply personal, I do want to give the listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. So sure. Kirsten, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, yeah, I'm Kirsten Kelly. Um, I am married. I have two girls. One is four and a half and one is almost two. Um, I grew up Christian, sort of non-denom, some charismatic, you know, those those types of settings. Um, Quick, quick, super quick background. Walked away from God. God kept showing up. Knew that wasn't the answer to walk away. Um, cause he kept showing up in such powerful ways that I was like, okay, um, this isn't, this isn't the answer here. So, and in that process, I discovered how good and big and loving God is. So now I'm kind of in this process of figuring out how to reconcile the God that I have experienced with the God and his rules that I was taught about. Mm-hmm. Um, so and a lot of it just doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. So part of that being a huge part of that message or that, that, that learning being and deconstruction being sexuality. So mm-hmm. that is, and that's a huge part of my, my, my past and my history. So that's what I'm here to talk about today. Yes. So a friend <laughs> actually like sent you my direct or me, your direction on Instagram, because she thought you would be a great guest. Shout out Stephanie. 
And she, like, loves your Sacred Sexuality series. And I'm so glad that she did because, I mean, you're essentially doing exactly what this podcast is about, which is, like, talking openly and freely and, like, shame-free about something that, like, the Christian sphere struggles to talk about. I do think that, like, now in 2019, like, people are trying but, I yeah. mean, it's it's hard. And then we have this weird, like, church upbringing baggage that we don't know what to do with exactly what you're saying. Like, we don't know how to reconcile the God of rules with the God who created sex to be a, like, fun thing, you know? So, yeah. it's I, – I think that people are hungry for this. I love that you're doing it. And I'm so excited to, like, share my platform and, and talk about this. Tell us a little bit about the series, the the Sacred Sexuality series that you started on your Instagram and just the heart behind it, which I'm sure is a novel in itself. But tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Yes, I will try to keep it short. Um, I do think people are hungry. They're hungry for – to hear this stuff and they're hungry for permission to say this stuff mm-hmm. and, and to feel this stuff. So, um, yeah, to, to, to share the heart behind sacred sexuality. Um, I do have to share a little bit of, more of my story if that's mm-hmm. okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, I come, I come from a unique background in that I was raised in purity culture, mm-hmm. which we are going to touch on later. Yes, we are. We will We're come back try to not that. to yell too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's a doozy. Um, <laughs> So I was raised in purity culture, which is essentially, if, if you haven't heard this this term, it's, you know, no sex, uh, don't think about sex, don't talk about sex, don't do sex, don't have sex, don't, um, don't just don't do it until you're married, just don't mm-hmm. address it. And then, but once you're married, you're cool, you're in the free zone, have at it, God did it, <laughs> right. worship, you know, through it, you know, all that stuff. But I, I was left with a lot of wounds um, in my just in my life that led me to kind of step away from that and and search for ways to uh, instead of searching to God and within myself to fill those holes, I, I was looking outwardly to fill those holes. Um, and I found attention from guys to be very effective in doing that mm-hmm. and which led to sex with those guys. Um, it was a balm. It was a, a very soothing balm for those those open wounds, at least in the immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it gave me the attention and affection that I wanted, and it was it, it, it got the job done. So so I hung out in that lifestyle for a while, but I still carried shame in those actions because of the foundation that I was brought up in. So the interesting thing about shame is that anything that you hide is going to create shame because Mm -hmm. you're hiding it. And the fact that you cannot talk about it and bring it into light in itself creates the shame. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was hiding the, these, this behavior and which led me to lying about the behavior. Um, and then continuing to make poor decisions because I was already hiding it. I was already living in shame. Why not continue doing it? Um, so but at 17, I wound up pregnant. I don't know if you know this part, Blake, but I did wind up pregnant, um, mm-hmm. which is every, you know, you you don't think it's ever going to happen to you when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that happens to other people. And, but I, I was left with this huge, this huge decision. Um, the guy that I was dating at, at the time was incredibly abusive and left me a shell of a person. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my own thoughts. I didn't have my own 
opinions, I defaulted to whatever he wanted to keep him around. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he wanted to have an abortion. So I wound up having an abortion, which Mm -hmm. was, as you can only imagine, like the most horrible, painful situation that a woman can be in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just want to, as a side note, if I had had one person to take my hand and look me in the eye and say, you can do this, I will help you. Mm-hmm. It would have changed everything. I know I, but there was no one to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so of course that only led to more guilt and more shame and more unhealthy decisions. Um, confused about my sexuality and what it was and, who to give it to and you know just mm-hmm. all of the things um so it took years and years and years and this is a very short version <laughs> it took years and years and years to to overcome that mm-hmm. and heal through that and um so I did wind up meeting my husband uh, at church and we wound up getting you know pursuing marriage. And I thought that was going to fix everything. I really did. Right. You think yep. you get married and that person's going to be there for you and you get to have sex shame free and you know, all the things. Yep. But anyone who's married know that it does not make things easier. Mm-mm. It's, you know, marriage is, is the most beautiful relationship that there is. And you know, that and children, because it refines you so much, it pulls everything out of you. Mm-hmm. that needs to be pulled out of you. Mm-hmm. And so it was, <laughs> it was our, the first five years of our marriage, sex was totally a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, our relationship was very tumultuous. Mm-hmm. We had a great relationship and then there were two sides, you know, it was a mm-hmm. great relationship and a really hard, you know, cumbersome relationship because we were working through so many things which I think Um, that that is such a good like pause solidarity moment like if marriage if sex is a disaster in your marriage you are not alone just because people aren't talking about it you like that is the majority yep so like hear us say (laughs) if even today if you've been married for 10 years and sex is still a disaster in your marriage you're not alone we have been married seven years, and this is our first year of great sex. Yes. So. So, like, w- wait, what year did you get married? 2011. Oh, wait. We we got married in 12. So, yeah, this year is... Oh, okay. I think the end of this year is seven. And yeah, same. we'll be on like, eight. Yeah. We're just starting to, like... Just getting have, the groove. Ha- yes. Hitting the groove. Have healthy conversations. Like, talk yes. about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, getting to the point where, like, we have sex and then, like, give mm-hmm. notes after. Be like, hey, one hundred percent. That was great. Do that every time. One hundred percent. That is so healthy, and it, yeah. it took us seven years to like feel yeah. comfortable enough because we're not like nobody's talking about this stuff. Yeah. So, side note, you're not alone. Continue, yes. Kirsten. Sorry. Yes, and we're gonna get into more of that in married sex because we're gonna mm-hmm. talk about like debt in the depth in depth married sex too. But yes. Um. So, and that was my next point is that there's no resources. So we were going through, through all of this totally alone together with the, you know, 
we did some talk therapy together and marriage counseling and inner healing at church and, you know, things of that nature, but there's no books. There's no like step-by-step of here's what you do when this is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's very confusing and, and we just had to navigate it one day at a time, figuring out what the hell to do next. So, um, so all of that whole spiel to say my heart behind sacred sexuality is to to catch the the preteen or the teenager who is who is susceptible to heading down that path and helping them to to not go down that yes. direction but helping it, them without the, just saying don't have sex exa- <laughs> no really actually no uh, actually helping Have, having the conversation <laughs> yes yes exactly um, the heart behind it is to help the people who are halfway down that path to, to change their trajectory, mm-hmm. um, to give them some tools. And the heart behind it is to help people who are, have been through the whole story, you know, or similar mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. um, and help them get to a place of, of healing and compassion and self-love and understanding of who God is and who he made them to be. And, and the people who are in marriage and struggling with all of this. So it's, yes. it's really, and then to go on and have kids and to teach them, like I'm actually working on a program now for kids, how to, oh how to gosh. raise your kids in a way from day one, yes. being sexually aware in a healthy way Yes. Um, and how to have those conversations. Oh my gosh. So anyway, so, needed. so that, that is all to say that that's the heart behind, behind the sexuality. Yes. Sexuality. So good. So the story that you hear like over and over is of women who grew up in the church hearing one or both of these messages, either waiting until they got married or like being sexually active before they they think that marriage is going to be the quick fix. Exactly. Right. Like you said, that you exchange these vows, you wear this pretty dress and then like, boom, a switch flips and you're like a freak in the sheets. And it's like, the, right. like it's this like seamless transition. And that is basically never the way that it goes. I think I've had three people reach out in the entire series and say, I, it was just great for me. But that was three out of about 100 people that re- <laughs> hundreds right. actually of people that reached out and said, Oh my God, this is the hardest thing ever. So yes, it's very rare. The interesting thing there too is that it was actually a pretty easy transition for me, but my husband Hmm. struggled to go from sex is bad to sex is good. Right. So like, and that's enough, like we're told that like men just like want to have sex 24 seven and we could completely exclude them from this conversation. Right. That that's, that that transition into marriage can be difficult. Right. Right. I mean, so I think, yeah, but we'll start with women and then I think let's, and then let's talk about men. Yeah. I think the most common thing that I've heard from women is that they struggle to feel free mm. in once they get married and it's time to have sex and mm-hmm. there, there's not a freedom. They, there's a general non-desire because of their religious upbringing. And when, when we've, been pounded even in little micro messages with the same message that sex is bad sex is bad sex is bad ding okay sex is good right it's not possible to just right. that that is brain chemistry that we're dealing with here there's yes. a, there's a retraining and a reconditioning required on how we perceive sex you know and and you also I was having this conversation in my my girls like 
group Bible study thing the other night. We're starting to have sex nights, which I love where we just talk about sex. Um, but we spend so much time in life. We study for, you know, school, we study topics that interest us. We learn about cooking. We learn about traveling. We learn like whatever we're interested in, we find resources on Mm -hmm. and, and, and learn about and dive into right sex. We don't do that. Mm -mm. We don't invest time or mental energy or money or (laughs) any of our resources that we have into learning about it and delving into it and thinking about it and meditating on it. But we expect to have this great, amazing sex life. Yeah. Right. To like jump in and immediately be good at it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And and maybe I've even talked to people who had sex before marriage and were, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Literally the same couple, they get married and everything just kind of falls apart. A hundred percent. Yeah. I hear it all the time. And I think it's just because, I mean, a, that dynamic changes of like, from, you know, being, being quote unquote bad to being good, Mm -hmm. um, the excitement level changes. So, but we need to start, we need to start priming ourselves for as soon as I started reading about sexuality and learning about how the body works and how the brain works and how just learning about it and, and having it on my mind alone mm-hmm. increased mm-hmm. my sex drive. Yes. It increased my my desire to participate in the thing that I am learning about. Yeah. Um, so I think we just have to start once we're, you know, if you're in a marriage and you're you're struggling with with, oh man, well, why don't I want it? Well, do you know anything having, about it? Right. Have you (laughs) looked up, you know, the parts of your body? Have you looked up what happens in arousal? Have you looked up how to, another really interesting topic, side note is the, the, which maybe we can talk about this another day, but the components that create desire are completely washed out by the components of love. Hmm. And that's, an, I don't know if you know Esther Perel. If you want to start learning about sexuality, look up Esther Perel's blog and find her on Instagram. She's amazing. Um, but so I started learning about, okay, well, if, why is my desire gone? Just because love is, is present in my marriage. Why should desire have to be non-existent? So mm-hmm. anyway. No, that's so good. About learning about our bodies. Did you know that? Um, Women, when we have an orgasm, it completely flushes our cortisol levels. Have you learned? Have you heard that? Yes. Yes. That's the only thing. I mean, working out helps helps flush them and certain activities, certain activity helps flush them. But when you have an orgasm, your cortisol levels completely, that's your stress hormone, if you guys yep. are familiar with. And just learning about things like that, just taking yeah. the time to study our bodies and how they work and use affirmations like, I am sexy. Sex is good. I love sex. <laughs> just, right. Just, just well, start and so that's affirming. just a whole, like, okay, we're married. We're quote unquote allowed to have sex mm-hmm. now, but like, we're still not talking about it. Right. And it's still oh like gosh. a bad thing to be sexy. I like yes. literally in the last maybe two <clears throat> months started like self-identifying as sexy. Yes. And that's not a bad word. It's not like, like, it's not like on the list of bad things about myself. It's on like the list of like things that I like about myself. I am inherently sexy. And that does not mean 
that I'm like, whatever, like negative yeah. connotation you want to put to that. And like, right. I love that you were, you like reference that y'all are like your group is having like sex night. And I think that mm-hmm. that's like, so part of the problem is this dichotomy that we're presented with of keep things private. Some things are sacred, but it's like slash you've got like, you've got to walk in this with other people. Otherwise you really are going to think that you are the only woman alive that doesn't want to have sex with her husband. Mm -hmm. You really are. Or you're the only woman alive that wants to have sex and he doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's this balance that we have to find of like, I don't know. And, And I've had this conversation a lot recently of like, when you're in a rough season with your husband, like my husband and I just came out of like a really difficult season and like we have been and are in counseling and things are so much better now. But when they were really bad, I didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. because you're not allowed to talk bad about your husband. Yep. You know, yep. and like I knew that my heart wasn't to talk bad about my husband. It was that we were struggling and I needed help navigating that. But I feel like the same thing goes for sex. Like, we're just not allowed to talk about our sex lives. So we're navigating it completely alone. Yep. And I think that that is Which is is awful because that's where the church should be stepping in. There's so many Mm. areas where the church should be stepping in and saying, here's a safe place. Mm. Here Here is a place to land where you can sort through this with the guidance of Jesus. Right? (laughs) Who... Like, God created sex, guys. Like, <laughs> by the way, like, and I mean, we, we could, that's like a whole, com- I think, feel like there's so many, like, side conversations that we could have that would be episodes of their own, but like, yeah, not just for procreation. Like, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. that out there. Like, No, we deserve to feel pleasure. God designed right. us for pleasure. Exactly. He designed like, us. He could have made procreation. There are parts of our bodies that would not exist. Right. If it was exclusively for procreation, guys. If we, he could have put a button on our <laughs> ankle that when it was Baby. time to procreate, but he didn't. He made it pleasurable. Yeah. So, yeah. Start having the conversation. Like, yep. even if you have to be the weird one in your group of friends, it's like, hey, guys, can we talk about sex? I like. Trust me, you will not be the weird one. You will be, they will, like clamor to come to your to house say, and talk. I like almost <laughs> promise you that the response is going to be oh, yes please yes yep like it yep. may be uncomfortable at first and it may be awkward at first but like I, we say all the time on the show like God is in the uncomfortable and he is in the awkward and I think he yep. moves there so yep. often so yes. kind of like a natural segue from that is to talk about like the messages that we're hearing and that we're being taught yeah from yeah. the church and from the world, which is something that you have detailed super well in your series. And so I'm really excited to kind of like hand you the mic and allow you to to speak on that. And so you and I have similar stories of like growing up in the church, purity culture, hearing sex is bad, like don't do it. And that mm-hmm. almost like being the end of the conversation. Basically, (laughs) very much not wanting to step into the gray area of like, quote unquote, fooling around, not wanting to answer the question of like, how far is too far? Yeah. You know, I I can't tell you how many times like that question would be brought up in like youth group or even college ministry. And the answer would be like, like, check your heart. Basically, like, Mm -hmm. that's a heart. Oh, is it? 
Like, can can we talk about the heart of that? Like, can we right. can we not just get a one line answer? And so I think I would like let's break down like the message that the church is telling women pretty exclusively and the message that the world is telling women. Okay. So I'll start with culture. Culture says YOLO. Mm-hmm. YOLO, it's your body, it's your life, it's your decision. Um, which there, it's that's being said to men and women, but I think it's especially loud right now toward women mm-hmm. um, with the pro-choice movement and all of that. Um, you know, it says if you're not using it, you're not fully living. You're mm-hmm. holding yourself back. Um, but there are a lot of reasons why that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy because of um, STD epidemic. Can anybody mm-hmm. say that? Mm-hmm. Um, unplanned pregnancy, which those things lead to physical and emotional pain, trauma, uh, depression in a lot of cases. So, mm-hmm. um, and as women, especially women, men too, but especially women, we are wired for connection, mm. uh, as a result in sex, we're wired, we're physically, um, physiologically wired in our neural to create neural pathways in our brain when we are having sex we create specifically when we orgasm we create new neural pathways uh to connect us to that person specifically mm-hmm. and when we're doing that over and over and over the person may leave but those connections don't leave mm-hmm. our brain is literally wired to experience to to continue to go back to that that's painful that's trauma mm-hmm. yeah that's abandonment that's why yeah. we feel these things. Um, so it's just unhealthy. And but but sex sells, and that is basically the message that that culture is giving us. So mm-hmm. we have that end, and then we have the church, who, like we said earlier, is don't have sex, don't think about sex, don't talk about sex. Um, and if you're a girl, don't tempt boys because <laughs> it's your job to keep them pure. Um, and I, I can't say that that I know that this is what is still being taught to, you know, young children and preteens and teens today. I have no experience. I don't know, but I do know that there's a whole group of people that grew up that way. A whole generation of women. Yes. Yes. Um, so does anyone remember church camp? Did you go to church camp, Blake, where you had, did, and the boys were all like over there playing basketball shirtless and sweating and whatever. And the girls were all like in a corner somewhere with like their t-shirts down to their knees. Yes. And like, did you, did you ever have to do that? Yep. Yep. So from, from like day one, we are told that our bodies are bad. Yep. Our bodies are to be shamed and covered. Our bodies are um, the problem. Our bodies are the problem. Yes. Uh, our bodies will cause the boys to mess up. So we have to keep it all together. Um, because they're boys. They're, they're, it's not, you know, they're boys, boys will, be, will boys. be boys and it's biological in them to just be that way. So you need to do what you need to do to, which is so, and I'm, I'm really not like a, a, a feminist. Like I am all about equal equality. Yes. Yes. I am but I will lose to... my crap about this with a quickness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. It's just it's just so unfair. And I feel so bad for like little Kirsten and little Blake who just they didn't know they just Mm -hmm. needed we we were so damaged from that. So Mm -hmm. 
all the little girls. Oh, um, but yeah, so it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure for girls. Um, but their, their intention was well-meaning, of course. No one Absolutely. was trying to cause trouble. But I think it, it goes back no to what we were saying about, like, not having the resources and, like, not knowing how to navigate that. Like, I would imagine as a camp counselor, I don't know how to navigate that, like, these kids are hitting puberty, puberty totally. body parts are changing, right. attraction is starting to happen, put a t-shirt on. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't I cover it up. Cover it up. You know? And like I know that their intention was not to like stunt and shun and shame our sexuality, but like unintentional messages happen all the time. And that Mm -hmm. whether I I mean I'm sure there are situations where it was like super intentional, but I don't think that on the majority it was. But you end up with a generation of women who don't know what to do with their sexuality, who feel exclusively responsible for being attractive or someone being attracted to you. Like, that is completely my fault. And we're not, we're missing such an, I'm sorry, I'm yelling. We're missing such an important (laughs) half of this conversation that, like, we have got to be having with our boys. Yes. Yes. You know, like, there's, there's. A conversation to be had with both halves and I think together as well but like are and I, I I agree with you I don't know like what's happening in youth group anymore I'm mm-hmm. far out of that game and my girls aren't in it yet praise be but like mm-hmm. I, I would hope that that conversation is is changed on the boys end but like we have got to have some conversations about responsibility we've got to have Can some you- conversations I was going to say, can you imagine the power of sitting down boys and girls together and talking about their, what's going on in their bodies and humanizing it for each other and and humanizing for the opposite sex? Right. It's okay. But like attraction is okay. It is okay if you see a boy that you think is cute playing basketball shirtless all sweaty and you're like, who boy? All right. Yeah. Yeah, that is like so cute. natural. Let's talk about it. He's cute, right? Like, yeah, 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 right. Because and, and... then things aren't happening in the dark, right? And like shame yeah. can't grow, right? Essentially, like we eradicate if we have these conversations, right? That's like what I said. <laughs> what I touched on earlier. It's like whatever you hide, you're going to feel shame about, even if it's not inherently wrong. Like thinking right. a boy is cute. But if you have to hide it, it's going to feel wrong. Well, and, like, it's this natural chain of events. Like, let's take the camp example. You, like, girl sees boy. Boy sees girl. They think each other are attractive. Something is, like, aroused in them. Let's Mm -hmm. put them at, like, an appropriate age, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're attracted to one another. And they both feel safe enough to have conversations with people older than them. They both feel safe enough to say... I like I'm like super attracted to so and so and like it makes me feel a certain kind of way and like I don't know what to do with that. And yeah. the person on the other side of that conversation says, Yeah, I get it. Been mm-hmm. there. I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. this sixteen year old boy is cute because like I don't wanna go to jail, but like <laughs> I get why you feel that way. And like here are some healthy ways to navigate that. God created mm-hmm. that feeling that you're feeling mm-hmm. right now. But I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna tell you that like he intended the action that comes after it for when you're man and wife. And let me have a conversation with you about the damage that occurs yep. if you act on that now. 
Yep. One hundred percent. And like honestly, not that difficult. It's not. It's, it's just having the hard. courage to do it. Yes. It's having the courage to because it, it is awkward. I like I can imagine it's awkward and awkward. it's humbling. Right. Like, to to tell your story and that your story isn't perfect. But I will tell yeah. a million girls my side of that story if it if it saves them the pain and damage. One hundred percent. Yep. I'm gonna, yep, it's I'm worth gonna it. let you it's take worth the mic it, now because I just yelled for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I mean, so that's kind of that's the perfect segue into like we wound up there because no one talked to us about it. So mm-hmm. how can we teach our children healthy sexuality? And um, you can, you can from very early. There are very early age appropriate ways to mm-hmm. To go there with them. Um, teach us. Teach us, Kirsten. In girls, well, in girls, we need to stop shaming ASAP. Yes. If yep. your four-year-old is touching her little parts down there, stop shaming. Like, mm-hmm. it is a natural exploration mm-hmm. of her body. It's the same if her elbow felt a certain way when she touched it. She would touch her elbow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is anatomy. This is – and we, we need to um, – explain the sacredness of those parts and the specialness that God created those parts with and mm-hmm. the beauty of them. Um, but stop the shaming. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to do. It's really Absolutely. hard. I can catch myself like, Oh baby, don't, no, 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 no. You know, I have to like catch myself yes. <laughs> and, and be intentional with how I'm communicating about that with her to not set the tone for her to hide it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. as soon as she starts hiding it, then that's when, that's when the shame comes in. Um, teach about how God made them, how God made them and made their parts and where, where they come from and where those sensations come from, um, about how sacred their bodies are and not just that part, but all the parts, like yes. your whole body is sacred. It's not just mm-hmm. about keeping certain things covered. It's your temple, you know, the Holy spirit is in you. Mm-hmm. Um, I let, so I know this isn't for everybody, I but I do encourage with little littles, let them see your body. Let them mm-hmm. see your naked body. Let them yes. see you be okay with it. Let them see you be comfortable with it. And I let my girls ask questions about yep. it and I answer them and I don't make it a thing. I make it very uh, neutral mm-hmm. because... And it, there is, there's that, that line of like being neutral and also teaching sacredness and specialness, right. but it can totally be, be done. Um, if we just sit with ourselves and allow ourselves to see the parts in our bodies as they really are. Which so, that requires us to be okay and us to wanna, be yep. comfortable and us to be. So, I mean, that may require some like working through lies and messages and shame of your own before you exactly. can step into that with your kids but like don't you want to save them the ha- not having to do the work when they're 30 and you're going to find so much healing through that like yes if the motive is to to raise your child a certain way go for it but you personally are going to experience so much freedom and weight lifted from yes. going through that process yourself um so and little things like I started rubbing my four-year-old's feet at night and mm. she's she started asking for it and just like taking the time to to do the little tickle her back and 
ask her what feels good and, and mm-hmm. allow her to ask for things and tell me what feels good and what doesn't feel good and um, learn them to acknowledge their senses, you know, mm-hmm. their sensuality, their a, a child. If you watch a child, you see sensuality all over them. I mean, think about the way a child like picks and smells a flower, mm-hmm. you know, just like it's all encompassing to them or the way that they just like zone out when they're eating a chocolate chip cookie because all they can <laughs> think about is <laughs> how good it is. You know, I yeah. do that sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guilty. Um, but they're just, they're, they're wired for sensuality. Because we all we have, were. We all were. And if we honor that in them, like they're not going to lose it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we that have to so allow good. them to not, lose it by honoring it for them and that will teach them to honor it um so and I get you know give them permission to to tell you what they like what they don't like if they say you know please do this if they say no stop like just honor those things so those are like small age appropriate ways to teach healthy sexuality and like Mm -hmm. boundaries and how to say yes and no and communicate what those are those are ways that I've been working with my girls anyway. Um, and boys, I think we need to allow them to feel. Mm-hmm. I think we need to allow them to, to stop saying, oh, suck it up, you're fine. And oh, man up or grow, grow some balls or whatever. Like we, we just have this this harshness toward boys and this expectation that they all have to be these this like tough, um, you know, rough and tumble guy where yeah. they, they need to be allowed to sit in their feelings and their emotions and be able to communicate those things openly and with acceptance. Um, I just had this like light bulb of like in childhood, we're stunting girls, sexuality and men's emotions. 100%. And we wonder why everything, everything is a dumpster fire. Yep. (laughs) Like like women are taught to, that they need to shut their bodies down and men are need to talk that they need, need to shut their emotions down. My, like my brain just exploded. Like that's a hundred percent what it is and what we're doing. And that's why like things are <clears throat> so hard in adulthood. It's, and like, we are completely incongruent. Yes. With what it is happening. Because then, like what each other needs from the other is completely locked down and shut down. In general. Yeah. In general, like as a generalization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. So it's like we have to, you know, in, in marriage, we need to make our husbands feel safe to feel and they need mm-hmm. to help us feel safe physically. Yes. And if, if, and, and the other way And vice versa. Too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it could be both. <laughs> like it could mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Like you both have been taught to shut your emotions and your sexuality down because I think like mm-hmm. somewhere along the lines, girls started getting the same message. Like if we want to keep up with the boys, then we got to shut it down. Yeah. You yep. know? And so I would yep. say like looking across the aisle at my husband, like we both have both. Right. We both have been stunted and shunned in our sexuality and in our emotions. Yeah. And that's 99% of like the issues that we ever encounter. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a childhood I- message. And I think with the, the, again, with the feminist movement or the modern, you know, the modern feminist movement. Yeah, the not, not the well, true feminist movement. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I don't, because I don't want to bash feminism. I think it's amazing. But I think a lot of the unhealthy sides of it um, mm-hmm. that we see, 
I think a lot of it is, is stemmed from exactly, exactly what you just said. Women are now being taught to shut down their emotions, to keep up with and, and surpass the men. And so now we're shutting our, our bodies and our emotions down. <laughs> and no wonder, you know, things yeah. feel really, really hard. Which leads me to the idea that men have higher sex drives than women. That's always what we've we've been told. You know, they're just biologically wired. They can't help themselves. What is it like they think about sex like every seven minutes or something right, crazy like right. that? Like <laughs> to an average man and like at least above the age of twenty one and I that's just not true. No. Um, they're thinking about like paying the bills and like yeah. when they get to go home. Like Right. <laughs> But, but I mean, even studies are coming out now that women, women's uh, sexual desire actually isn't any lower. It actually is a lot higher. It can be a lot higher Mm -hmm. um, than men's. And, but it's just because we've been shut down. It's just because we've shut it down and we haven't acknowledged it and we haven't honored it. And so we need to just eradicate this lie that women don't have sex drives and men have all the sex drives and we are just like slaves to their sex drives because it's just not true. I think we just we just need to wake ourselves up and honor our own individual sexual makeup and desire. Yeah. And Well, because you know. I'm on the other side of that where I like I do have a very high sex drive. I'm naturally very like sexually inclined and have always felt like there's something wrong with me Mm. that like even before I was married like I was like let's go like let's roll (laughs) you know what I mean and like that I I could in that sense I could keep up with the boys right right, and like and then stepped into marriage and was like what's wrong with me like I want to have sex Mm. all the time Mm -hmm. and then having conversations with my girlfriends and then being like what you right. enjoy it. You like you initiate and being like, "Well, I'm broken. Something R- is right, wrong." Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, so there is the other side of that. That <clears throat> like, and circling back to the beginning of our conversation, if we were talking about it openly yes. and felt comfortable, then we could. You can step into that and be like, "Oh no, I have I, my sex drive is way higher than my husband's. You're not weird. It's fine. right. You right, know, right, and like, right. Gosh, and then you are, can." like join arms with one another and the women who are that way can be like let me just tell you the things that I do that make it awesome let right. me like let me help you step into the it just fosters so much solidarity and community and then like hopefully eventually better sex right right <laughs> if we and talk because, about yeah, it totally yes and understanding for your husband you know, and, and I think men, men aren't open. They, they feel uncomfortable being open about sex as well. I feel like they should also be encouraged to talk about it with their dudes because that needs, that side of it needs to be addressed as well. You know, we both need to be talking about it and then we need to be coming together and talking about it with each other as husband and wife. And Sean and I have had the most breakthrough in our marriage or in our sex life because We've just talked about it and it hasn't always been immediate, but there's always been like a freedom afterwards of like, oh yes. God, I'm so glad we talked about that. Even if it turned into a blow up fight or whatever. And then we, then we came back down and settled into it. Yes. And there's just, there's just freedom in it at the end of it of being as open as possible. Like, like scary open, like this might hurt them open, mm-hmm. but you have to be, you know? Yes. 
You because be. it's in a like it's in an environment of love and it's in, in an environment of wanting to grow together. And so that should hopefully in your marriage give you the space to say hard things mm-hmm. and yep. know that they are like coming from a place of love. Yeah. Yeah. So completely obsessed with this conversation. Me this too. Was... I could keep going. I know. <laughs> okay. So we're at the end of the interview where we do our rapid fire questions. First one is what is your Enneagram type? I am a four wing three. Interesting. So I go really, really deep, but I also care a lot about what people think. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I want to be understood and I want to be the best at it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So something interesting I've been paying attention to is that in my cycle, I've been paying attention to my cycle. Mm -hmm. Menstrual cycle is what I'm talking about. Yeah. In the first two weeks of, so like pre and during ovulation, I hover in my three. I am like, let's go. Let's do this. I'm social. I want to meet. I want to connect. I want to do. I want to master. And then in my second two weeks, um, I am so in my four. Like leading up to when I start my period, I am like, I want to be introverted and I want to write and I want to. It's like two very extremes. I was going to say, like, I feel like you have to have a strong three wing. I do have a very strong three. Sometimes I wonder if I am a three, but. I have way too much for and like yeah. the core motivation, core desire, core fear. I'm yep. definitely a four. Um, but anyway, I say that to if you are into the Enneagram, pay attention and you're a lady, pay attention yes. to where you you hover in in your cycle because it can be really helpful if you're trying to write. If I'm trying to write and be like creative, I'm not going to do well in my first two weeks. I'm going to yes. do well in my last two weeks. Yes. So if I'm trying to be a go-getter and meet people and connect and I don't want to be socially awkward, I need to do that stuff. For the that first is so two, interesting. You know? So yeah, I definitely need to like, because I'm an eight wing seven. Okay. Yep. So My I husband's definitely... a seven wing eight. Oh, fun. We're so, real yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Um, you are. <clears throat> I definitely, I, I definitely know like I lean harder into one or the other but I've never paid attention to it in like my cycle like I can tell when I'm like let's just have fun stop worrying stop being an adult I just want to have fun and then I can also tell when I'm like let's let's get it done like I'm gonna tell you what I think even if you didn't ask like (laughs) right so the seven eight wing and the eight wing sevens are so similar like they're one of the most similar winging types which is fun um the second one is, what is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Okay, so I went to Tony Robbins, uh, Unleash the Power Within. I don't know mm-hmm. if you are familiar. Um, I think everybody in this world should go. <laughs> <laughs> life-changing. But anyway, he talks, uh, he really, really, really majors on physiologically changing your state. Yeah. And being able to pull yourself out of the places that keep you from progressing or doing what it is you want to do. Or so um, priming is one thing. It's like meditation with affirmations and um, gratefulness, gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then dancing. Mm-hmm. Dancing and moving your body. They do this at UPW. Dancing and moving your body is the number one way to change your, your, like what's chemically going on in your brain yeah. to bring you up. I um, love it. So a good I, dance I have party. Like a couple go-to songs that I just like crank up and jam out and move on with my day. I love it. It's so good. We're, we're a big dance party family. 
So yes, it's so I fun. love it. Uh, yeah. And the last one is, what's the last thing you watched on TV? Um, well, currently I'm actually rewatching The Office in my time that I watch so when, like, when I'm watching something, and I'm yeah. appreciating it so much more than I did the first time. Like, it's I'm laughing out loud. I did not yes. laugh out loud the first time I watched it. It is. It makes so me laugh good. out loud. It's so. But good. um, the heel documentary. I don't know if you've watched uh-huh. the heel documentary on uh-huh. Netflix. H e a l. It's fascinating. It it kind of scientifically explains how prayer works. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool. It talks about. It's all about like using what you have to to heal yourself of ailments. Some people might argue that it takes away from who God is. I think it just makes God more awesome and brilliant mm-hmm. and shows how much He's actually given us. It's not a Christian documentary, but yeah. I'm, I made it a Christian. Documentary I'm like, <laughs> I can make so anything cool. about God. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. so, want to check anyway. that out. Carson, thank you so much for like, this is the most incredible interview. This was so oh, yeah. fun. Uh, tell so people where fun. they can find and follow you to keep up with sacred sexuality. Yeah, I am Kirsten P. Kelly uh, on Instagram. And I am... I will have a blog soon, but that is not, that's not up yet. So I'll, I'll keep everybody posted on that. We'll link to all of that in your show notes as always. So that people can find you, which you can find at uh, crappy Christian podcast.com. Kirsten, thank you so much. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the confessions of a crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Start a rewarding new career right away. Giant Eagle has immediate openings for supermarket positions, including curbside roles, get-go positions, pharmacy technicians, and warehouse workers. To find your new job and get hired in as little as one day, visit jobs.gianteagle.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.